Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. One for podcasting. The PSAs you hear on Miller and Condon and iHeartMedia Des Moines are presented in part by Nick Mick. We take care of our own. Now, here's Miller and Condon. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. All right, good morning, everybody, and welcome in. It's Miller and Condon on a Friday, a football Friday at that. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Trent Condon, Ken Miller, with you for the next couple of hours. Glad you carved out some of your morning uh, here to spend with Trent and I. On the BMW of Des Moines guest list, it's a busy, busy weekend at Wrigley Field. It's Cubs and it's Cardinals, and these two teams, well, what have they got, a five-game set that's a wraparound, mm-hmm. plus they got a double dip tomorrow. So five games for the Cardinals and the Cubs, weather permitting. Hopefully they'll be able to get it in uh, as they squeeze as many games, especially the Cardinals are playing catch-up with all the games that they were forced to miss earlier in the season. But Cubs cards moves the needle. Uh, they will play five times over the next four days. So we'll talk to Brian Walton about the Cardinals uh, coming up here at about 10.25. Prior to that, we hit uh, Gary Swenson yesterday. Trent uh, worked out the audio problem, so we'll get Tom Wilson's uh, angle of tonight's Valley Dowling game. Uh, Tom will come up here in about 15 minutes or so. We'll play that piece uh, at some point in the first segment. Then Brian Walton. And then Tom Cakert. It's a big day in the Big Ten. It's a big day for a blogger by the name of Sir Yacht, <laughs> whose sources will gain instant validity. Uh-huh. One, and, or they'll be shot down in flames uh, as he is dying on this hill, that he's got inside sources that the presidents are voting today, and he knows that the outcome of the vote is going to be play ball. He's got somebody feeding him information. <laughs> we'll see if he's right. We'll find out today if October the 10th is at all realistic. Gary Barta was asked yesterday. He didn't know anything about a president's vote. Him. That's not good. It's not. Um, I, I agree with you. I agree with you. I don't think that Barta would be leading us down the wrong path. Mm-hmm. But who knows? We'll find out. Today's supposed to be the day that they show their cards if Sir Yacht is right. He's a blogger from, as far as I can tell, Columbus or in that area. Yeah, yeah. Somewhere in Ohio. And he's clearly got someone from Ohio State who wants to sway the court of public opinion. Not that it's going to take a lot of arm twisting in the Big Ten footprint. Everybody wants football for the most part. But uh, I think it's Ohio State who has the most to lose in this not playing, not being able to participate in the playoff that are trying to uh, fan the flames. And they're doing so through Sir Yacht and did so with, through Dan Patrick, although Patrick's gone a little quiet. Yeah, yeah, not nearly as much coming out of that camp. And I don't know if the source, uh, the trickle has stopped or... Patrick realized he was played. Yeah, the the information that he had. And that also shows you the difference between being what we do, being talkers and yeah. being newsbreakers and yeah. how different those two jobs are. You want to be listening to the Pete Thamels of the world? Right. Those are the people that 
for the most part, have the true information. Yeah, there's, there's times mm-hmm. that those things come out, but it's just a different avenue being a newsbreaker, being a Woj in the NBA right. as compared to being Jalen Rose sitting there and talking about the game. It's, it's two different jobs. It is. I was called to the corner office uh, 15 years ago. You guys... I don't want you breaking. Well, he wasn't looking at me. Oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think yes, it had to do yeah. with a dentist or uh-huh, some damn yeah. thing. You guys opine. I don't want you breaking stories. Sure. Anyways, <laughs> it's, that'll be a chapter four or five, I think, okay. of the book. Uh, so, um, in, or, in order for this to happen, hey, well, we have to have a October tenth. You mean? Yes. Mm-hmm. You have to have a vote, and it has to happen quickly. If not today, certainly well, I over think the it weekend. Has to happen yeah. this weekend. Yeah. Uh, with that though, you need nine. You need nine votes mm-hmm. that say, yes, let's reverse course and play football. We know three are locks. Mm-hmm. Iowa, Nebraska, Ohio State, those are your locks. Right. Where do the six other votes well, come from? the governor of Michigan opened up Michigan to yes. extracurricular activities. Yes, high school sports start September 17th, high school football. Coming up, right? She signed that, whatever the politician signed. <laughs> Um, Executive order. There you go. Yeah. Thank you. Whatever they signed, she signed. So maybe those two schools That's a possibility. Are in play. I'm not sure Northwestern's in. No, they're up. They're... Oh, but here's, you know, let me stop for a second, because we went down this path, too, and, and, you know, I guess we're guilty. But when a doctor of a Big Ten school mm-hmm. tweets that he's seeing 30 to 35% uh, percent of the athletes that he has looked at test positive for myo or show signs of myocardosis, carditis, whatever it is, you go with that story. Yes. This isn't a blogger. This is a freaking doctor. Who read the data wrong? And then he re- he walks it back, what, a couple yeah. hours later? Sorry, I had sorry about that. Penn State says none of our athletes had a positive test. And Zero. 30 to 35%. Of course the media is going to pick up yes. on that. This is a doctor. Right. Exactly. Like you said, this isn't just some random Joe. This is a doctor. We, we've heard both sides of the doctor argument. The doctor at Mayo Clinic who yeah. has said... He's the big 12 doctor now. Yes, and you're reading this data wrong. Michael Atkinson, is that it? Is that what it is? Yeah. I think I'm close. Northwestern's a no, though. I think so. They're, they're a no vote. Mm-hmm. From everything I've heard well, Maryland, and read, Maryland just shut down, so yes. they're a no vote. Purdue, no vote. Uh-huh. And Minnesota, a no vote. So that means you have to swing everybody else, including... Rutgers. Rutgers. Can you get Rutgers? Well, they need the money. <laughs> they do. Well, everybody does. They, right, right. Wisconsin, I think you can sway them, even uh-huh. with the Democratic governor in that state. Mm-hmm. I think there's a, enough Where do you have push. Illinois, Indiana? Illinois is tough. Illinois might be the most difficult, but remember, Illinois is also at the forefront, along with Rutgers, at these quick tests. And because of that... Well, they've come full circle because Illinois wasn't even shutting down when they had positives not too many weeks ago. So you're talking about having to get basically all those other schools to go. I don't see Northwestern at all. I don't see Minnesota at all. I don't see Purdue at all. And I don't see Maryland. So those are the four dissenting. Can you get everybody else on board? I don't see that being likely. And I don't even know, Trent, if there's a call to get everybody on board because we don't know. Barta says it's news to him that there's going to be this vote. The other piece of this, and let's say either the president vote doesn't happen or they don't reverse course even if they do vote. And so we know maybe November is is a scenario or it's even pushed to January. If if it is this January eight-game schedule, Mm -hmm. you need to get out in front of this and you got to give us a plan. You have to give... Sports talking heads people plan. You mm-hmm. need to give the fans a plan and then sell the crap out of that. So I I went down this path last night and I, I've heard some arguments. Well, who cares? Who's going to watch January football in the Big Ten when it doesn't My really matter? Raised. I, I'm right there with you. And to show you the power of your phrase, King Football, mm-hmm. 
last year, the highest rated college basketball game. Of all all of college basketball. All of college basketball last year was the Duke-North Carolina game on February 8th on ESPN. 2.67 million viewers for that game. That was the high mm-hmm. of the year. In comparison, last year's FCS National Championship game, FCS, North Dakota State James Madison. Oh, this should be good. Outrated that game. That's nuts. An 11 o'clock kickoff. Uh-huh. On ESPN, on a Saturday, outrated Duke wild North card Carolina. weekend. Was it wild card weekend or was it later if, last year? It was the eleventh. So yeah, that would have been probably yeah. noon kickoff, and that's what you had. That outrated it. Frisco, Texas. How about this? Here's another game that outrated the highest ranked college basketball game last year. Action. The day after Christmas, in beautiful Detroit. Oh my. Eastern Michigan and Pittsburgh got together Trent, for the nobody quick watches bowl. these bowl games, we're told. 3.05 million viewers on ESPN for that. Higher than any uh. college basketball game. This is big networks and ESPN2 involved. And we're not just talking ESPN numbers. These are across the board. That game mm. outrated what we saw. Will people be watching football? Yes, mm-hmm. people will watch football in January. So come out and come out with the plan. Well, Kevin I think they're working friends. on it. Yeah. Uh, Alvarez is part of the return to play committee. Uh, Teddy Greenstein floated something interesting that he heard this morning. Teddy Greenstein, Chicago Tribune. Look, there's a there's a handful of reporters that have covered the Big Ten over the last couple of decades that I believe you can count on to. Uh, somebody has their ear or he has their ear, uh, vice versa. He's got good sources. He came out today that the Big Ten is kicking around, in addition to the conference championship game, that on that same day or weekend, two would play two, three would play three, four would play four, Perfect. east versus west. So if you go by that, last year uh, that we would have had Ohio State, Wisconsin, mm-hmm. Penn State, Minnesota, Iowa, Michigan. All right. Okay, that sounds good to me. I'm with you. This is after the whatever the regular season consists of, six, eight, ten. Don't know what it'll be, um, but if it's November, there's a chance to play more of them. I, you know what? I'm starting to move November into the favorite role. Yeah, I am. I think that there's a a push for November Saturday. The NFL stays away for the most part. Mm-hmm. I think they've got a, a flex game on a Saturday night, the Saturday before Christmas. Um, but I think you can. I think you can put uh, bring some eyeballs to TV sets. So we'll see. So that's something to watch today. Will Sir Yacht be right? Will there be a vote or not? If it is not today, I guess you can technically vote over the weekend. But if we're sitting here on Tuesday and we've heard nothing, yeah, uh, October tenth is out the window. It's Labor Day weekend. The, the chances of something happening over the weekend, I'm going to guess. Remember, we're talking school presidents. They have campuses on fire. Mm-hmm. Figuratively, I'm fire. Just what's happening with cases. We see what's happening in Iowa City and across the country. You mentioned Maryland. This is one one hundredth of their job that they care about right now. What's going on? I saw over at the University of Iowa the other day, they had a sick in where instead of the sit in, they all were marching and, and there were a bunch of grad students saying, why are we still going to class? Why are we still going to class with this going on? It is time to go virtual learning. And so there, there was a demonstration for that. This is happening. These are school presidents. Football is not even close to the top of their list of, of the issues that they're dealing with. You know what, with. Trent? As, as it shouldn't be. Right? Yeah, right. They, they, yeah. They've got their priorities right. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, sadly, there looks as though we have reached the point where there's going to be a whole bunch of high school teams play tonight. And as we sit here today, 
uh, for the final time this year, <laughs> right? All the Des Moines schools, Ames, a couple of uh, three Iowa City schools going to be shut down. Uh, Roosevelt's holding senior night tonight. They're going to host the uh, Scarlets from East. Uh, but as we sit here today, these schools will play tonight. And then what will they do? I mean, you're not allowed to practice, right? Right. right. So when are you not allowed to practice? Are you can you? I they mean, can I, practice through Monday. Through Monday you can practice, yep. right? But when Tuesday rolls around and they're supposed to swing open the doors and have mm-hmm. kids in the school and they're still virtual learning, then everything stops. Yeah, because that's when uh, school will start for for Iowa City schools, mm-hmm. for Des Moines Public Schools. It begins on Tuesday after Labor Day is when they get going officially with their classes. And with that, it's going to be 100% virtual. Mm-hmm. And the governor has said if you go 100% virtual... You cannot have extracurricular. So that is volleyball, that is swimming, that is fall sports, that is, of course, the biggest one, football. And all those uh, teams will not be able to play. Then kids will still work out. I'm sure some teams, kids will still get together and mm-hmm. throw the football around sure. and, and do those types yeah, of things. Yeah, nothing's stopping anybody from doing that. But let's say an injunction doesn't come. And, and we're two, three, four weeks into this. And, all and of a sudden, is, there a, is there a hearing scheduled? There you- is. I want to say... There's an initial hearing maybe today, or maybe it's early next week. I can't remember offhand. Well, early next week would be Tuesday. Right. But even if that is handled and, and it takes a while, how long is it going to take for a team to get ramp up? Or let's say this is drawn out, and it's a couple of weeks before an official decision is had, and, and they reverse course, all right, you can play. So they've shut down for two weeks Two weeks, and then do you just play again right away that next following Friday? I think you almost have to. I think so, too. Now, the good news is, at least for these teams, is – if there is that ramp-up period, you get a couple of weeks left of the regular season, everybody gets in the playoffs. So everybody's going to get their shot, even if that happens. But how good are these teams going to be? How far behind are they going to be compared to the other teams that have been playing? It's different than baseball. You know, we've seen shutdowns that happen in baseball and softball this summer. That's one thing. You still play catch. You still got your arm. You're good to go. Football, think of an offensive line coming together, continuity that's needed there. Now, after a couple of weeks off, all right, let's go out here and play Friday after a couple of practices. Might be ugly for a few of those teams. Indeed. You know, I don't think I finished the uh, BMW Des Moines guest list. <laughs> we got, we <laughs> got sidetracked a little yeah, bit today. So Brian Walton on the Cubs and the Cards. Then yeah. Tom Cakert on uh, the Big Ten situation, HawkeyeReport.com. 11.05, Jason Luch, Allbaugh Family uh, Stable. They've got a horse in tomorrow's Kentucky Derby. His name is Thousand Words, where he's going to be a part of the Claxons giveaway at 11.45. But Jason's going to join us. Uh, the stable had a huge win in a graded race yesterday in advance of the Kentucky Derby uh, at Churchill Downs. So, so Jason will join us. He's also the owner of CycloneFanatic.com. Uh, Jason at 11.05. And then Dave Sproul on Iowa State. We'll have depth charts when we uh, get back to work yes. on Tuesday. We'll have um, game notes. Game notes. I don't know when Campbell's addressing the media. That's probably – last year it was Tuesday, right? It used to be Monday. Didn't they push to Tuesday? It was cha- it's changed, yes. I think that they got it on the same schedule Day-wise, anyways, mm-hmm. with the Big Ten, because the Big Ten would meet on Tuesday. And but, the uh, first coaches show of the season yeah, will Monday be... Monday night. It will be Monday right. night, Labor Day night. They'll still have that, so you can Good. catch that 6.30 right John, here in KXNO. Right, John Walters and Matt Campbell, and uh, I'm not sure who else will be a part of it. Jamie but, yeah. Pollard's part of it quite often. Uh, he does sit in a lot. Yep. That's a good point. So, uh, yes, um, Cyclone fans, your ho- end of your holiday weekend. 
tuned to your radio dial, 106.3 or 1460, and you can hear, at least here in 1430 in Ames, uh, they will have the uh, Coaches Show. Dave Sproul will be our final guest of the week, and then we'll give you an opportunity to win some Claxons. I kept baseball out of it. I just don't trust it. (laughs) I don't want to get It's understandable. And there's so much going on. Trent, there's three Game 7s in the NHL between 3 o'clock this afternoon and 7 o'clock tomorrow night. Did I see the USA Network has the... Yes, the early one. You know why? I don't. The NBC has the uh, the derby equivalent, the Kentucky Oaks, the Oaks, Phillies. Yeah, yeah the Phillies, yeah. So they have to broadcast that You got to pick race. for us in that one? No, I don't. I mean, I guess. It's going to be favorites. I hate to say it. I'm Man, you're, you're so down on your beloved horse racing. I got a buddy that's, that I usually bet the race with. He's just pleading with me. Yeah. Come on, we got to bet, we got to bet, we got to bet. No, I'm not betting. You're it's going to be a favorite. So we get Stars Lanch this afternoon at mm-hmm. 3 on USA. Yep. 8 o'clock, Canucks. And, uh, and, the, and the Golden Knights, yeah. Watched a little bit of that late last night and flipped it down right as the Canucks are scoring another goal. They, they were impressive, the little mm-hmm. bit that I watched. And then tomorrow, 6.30 puck drop for the Islanders and the Flyers. Indeed, love it. And that will I be the Islanders. Got that, got yeah, that 18-1 to right. one ticket to it's win right. the East. What did you get them at? 18-1. to one. Nice. Yeah. Nice. And our tiebreaker, by the way, if you are planning on trying to get into Claxons, it's going to be total points tonight. It's Valley Dowling game. Yes. I don't want you to pick a winner of that game, but yeah. give me the total points. Total points. I like that. Absolutely. Good idea. All right. Uh, you had uh, Coach Tom Wilson. We played Gary Swenson yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, we wanted to play Tom Wilson at the same time, but the Gremlins got you. <laughs> yes. Uh, you had an opportunity to talk to Coach. The people that I've spoken to and have listened to on this game think it's a low-scoring affair tonight, Trent. Yeah, that's what Swentz uh, said yesterday, and I think Tom's kind of looking at it maybe in the same kind of fashion. Mm-hmm. You know, Rubley, it took a while for him to get going. You know, Dowling, maybe they don't have the firepower offensively yet, but what they're going to be on the defensive side of the ball, you know, is very, very stout there. Coach Swenson didn't sound very pleased with his offensive line. No, that was my—maybe his whole team was uh, my biggest takeaway. Yeah. He was— uh, he was a little perturbed. And uh, if that's the case, your offensive line's not playing well. It's going to be difficult, even with all that offensive talent, to do much against any Dowling team, and certainly this Dowling team defensively. Trent, this couldn't have worked out any better for Valley, and probably for Dowling, too, because both teams had struggles. Mm-hmm. Both coaches could get pissed off at their team, yes. lots to clean up in advance of the biggest game in the state. They, had, they didn't roll in week one. Mm-hmm. You know, so the kids were feeling pretty good about themselves. They actually, yeah, they had to, they struggled a little bit, particularly in the first half of both of those football games. I want to play Coach Wilson. Yeah, let's hear from him right now. Coach Wilson of Dowling Catholic. Joined right now by the head coach for the Dowling Catholic Maroons as we get ready for the rivalry game against the Valley Tigers. He is Tom Wilson. Tom, another rivalry week in front of us, week two. But uh, before we look forward, let's take a look back at what you saw out of your team in the victory against Indianola last Friday night? Oh, really, what we saw was a young team. Uh, you know, we came out of the shoot really pretty well. Um, and then, you know, I we, we scored early in the ball game, and, and then we kind of scuffled at times. I really thought, you know, defensively we played well throughout. Um, really, they were able to uh, score on a short field after, you know, we had a, a special teams issue. Uh, and then they got a long pass uh, later on in the ball game. But, you know, I thought Indianola played very hard. I thought we showed our youth. Uh, they brought back quite a bit of experience, especially defensively. Um, I thought that that was apparent as well. But, you know, I, I feel like getting a win, um, obviously we feel good about that. But we realize that, you know, we've got so much growing to do that it's that it's unreal and, and it can't come soon enough. Three different guys threw the football for you. You've done this in the past, uh, dealing with 
two different quarterbacks. Take us into the quarterback job right now. Got a young sophomore that can throw the ball around, also a senior uh, vying for playing time. What your plans are going forward at the quarterback position? Well, we're just going to keep going as is right now. And, and I, uh, Jackson Smolik, you mentioned him as a sophomore. He's obviously very talented uh, and can throw the ball, but he, he lacks experience. Steingraber's more the steady hand and the senior that's been there and been in the program and worked really hard. Um, so we're just trying to get a look at both of them right now and see who can command the team a little bit better. And you know, who, who knows, eventually we may go to one, but right now we'll stay with two and uh, see if we can move the football. Coach, during this uh, run of seven straight championships, you guys have been built seemingly each and every year up front. Tell us about the offensive, defensive lines, uh, what you're doing there, and some of the young guys seeing their first playing action at the varsity level, what you saw from them. You know, really across the board on offense, we replaced all five from a year ago, and we look much different. We're not as big as what we were. Um, you know, the one guy that we have back is Andrew Lynch, who was the tight end, who's highly regarded and is not totally healthy right now um, after last week. So that could be an issue. But, you know, those guys are going to continue to get better. Um, you know, none of them had started, a, I guess I take that back, Olsen had started a game or two a year ago because of injury. The rest of them were making their first varsity start on offense. So um, I think that's a group that has to continue to gel. Um, I, I think uh, we're have the least amount of experience there is, is really what we ever have and uh, we're not as big as what we were but uh, then again you know every team is a little bit different so you have to figure out uh, really what you're good at and, and where you can hang your hat on and I'm not sure at this point we've figured that out after only one ball game. Going to feel different out there at Valley Stadium coming up on Friday night for, compared to what we've seen in the past. It's a rivalry game that's always important but with uh, not as many people in the stands. How different do you think this one's gonna feel? Oh, I think it'll be, it'll be different, but I, I'm, I'm guessing the church parking lot will be full and, and people will be outside the fence. They're gonna find a way. Um, and we're just trying to, to navigate the situation. And that's, you know, that's been part of uh, the concern with this game, with uh, the restrictions that we're under, is just trying to make sure that, that we can keep people socially distanced. You know, Valley's been great uh, with us being on the same page uh, with everything and us working together. Uh, really, Mike O'Connor has worked with them to try to, to navigate that. But there'll probably be a, a different feel. But at the end of the day, it's it's Valley Dowling, and, and uh, hopefully it'll be a great ball game. I'm sure it'll still be a good atmosphere. And, you know, I think one of the things that is different with the colleges not playing. Um, you've got every college coach around trying to, to get into the ball game, and we're trying to keep uh, people down. But obviously you want all our kids on both sides to get noticed if they have an opportunity to go play at the next level. So we're also trying to navigate that as well. During this run, Valley's got you guys in the regular season four different times. Ultimately, you guys have come back and won the state championship seven straight. What is it about this early season matchup that Valley has played so well and you guys uh, three and four in these matchups in the regular season, but Valley has had up the upper hand as we play in September? Well, I think the first thing is, is they've got most of the time great players and they've got great coaches. And a lot of times this game can go either way. Um, it's, it's kind of strange how it's turned out with them in the regular season and then us in the postseason. Um, I'm not sure I can explain all that other than, you know, both of us try to get our teams to grow as much as they can throughout the course of the year, and it's it's worked out for us. So, you know, I, I don't know exactly what Gary does with this ball game, but you know, for us, 
um, you know, you try to make it another ball game, but you know, with with the atmosphere that we usually have and the chatter that you get back and forth, it's not just another game. And you know, oftentimes, just like this year, we're young and we're trying to develop, and and uh, it seems like that we're able to develop. Uh, quite a bit throughout the course of a year and, and really the recipe is the same we just see if we can make this team as good as we possibly can Tom you hear rivalry and you, there's a lot of times some negative maybe connotation to that I, I've heard from years since I've been uh, calling this game and being involved in it on, on the media side of thing it's not that kind of rivalry it's not a hatred type of rivalry how would you describe Valley Dowling I think you do a good job of describing it, to be honest with you. Uh, you know, I think it's well documented that I knew Gary uh, long before I took the job here and, and oftentimes would seek his counsel just on running a program. Uh, you know, I work closely with Brad Rose as an athletic director and we get along just fine. And, you know, we feel like our relationship is pretty important really for the West Des Moines and, and the metro area itself. And there's nobody that wants to win more than either one of us do um, with both schools, but yet there's a mutual respect there. Um, and I, I certainly think that that will continue. Uh, they do a great job and uh, you can't deny that. And, and we've always respected that, um, but uh, we've been able to work uh, well together throughout the course of the years. Well, best of luck in the matchup with Valley. It's going to be a fun one out there at Valley Stadium. 7 o'clock with the kickoff. Appreciate you joining us today. All right. Thank you. All right. There you go. Valley Dowling tonight. Low-scoring football game, potentially, and uh, you can, uh, you, you've can you got a link up on your Twitter feed, right? Yeah, yeah. People, An audio link? Yeah, you can follow us live. We'll, of course, have the replay at 11 o'clock here right after football Friday night. But if you want to listen to myself and Bensi live as the game is going on, you can hear us. Uh, just go over to Twitter. You can find the link there. Part of uh, MixLR found a live link there where we can put all the games up, and uh, people will be able to listen to them that way. So looking forward to that. and. Always fun calling a game with Bensi. He's uh, he's a fun dude. Oh, and you can also see it on uh, CISN. We'll have it. You yep, you can check it out there. YouTube and no cost. They were schools and uh, CISN that came together as they did this summer with a pay system. The servers went down on Friday night last Friday night, and they made the decision just go free the rest of the year. So it will be up on YouTube. Just search CISN so or Valley Dowling. So this isn't just Pete Tarpey's. He's now got a relationship with all of the schools. Uh, he has Waukee, Southeast Polk, Dowling, Valley, share? Ankeny, Ankeny Centennial. Yeah, wow. so working with, with those schools right now. I know Urbandale and Johnston have their own live streams through yeah. their schools, so that's the partnership Do that he has. Do Urbandale and Johnston charge? I don't believe so. Gotcha. At least I know they didn't for baseball. I'm not sure if that's the case for football, but I know for baseball they haven't, and I don't think they have in the past. So you can find all those games out there and... Watch them now, too. Pretty good with CISN. And uh, Hunter Phillips will be on the call on the CISN, the Drake women's basketball broadcaster. He'll have the call over there with CISN tonight for Valley Dowling. All right, we'll talk Cubs-Cardinals in a few minutes. But right now, the final day of this promotion kicks. And Owen iHeart want to help you with your bills. Text the keyword THANKS to 200-200 right now. It's your chance to win $1,000. THANKS to 200-200. You'll get a confirmation text and info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. All right, Brock with Brian Walton. Cardinal Nation. Com. Tom Cakert coming up in 15 minutes. Is October 10th still a possibility? We'll ask Tom that uh, when he joins us here uh, at uh, 1045-ish. Miller and Condon till noon. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO 106.638. Every Friday through October, check out the Norwalk Farmer's Market with fresh produce, local honey, 
Farm Fresh Eggs, crafts, and homemade items, plus food vendors, the Norwalk Farmer's Market is a great way to end your week. Every Friday through October from 4 o'clock until 7. It's located at the Norwalk Christian Church, 701 Main Street in Norwalk. The 2020 Norwalk Farmer's Market. Welcome back, Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM. Let's get right to it with Brian Walton. We're running behind. Brian, thanks for uh, being patient and flexible. Uh, Cubs cards, a five-game set. Kind of disappointing, Brian, that this is the last time these two teams will see each other, at least in the regular season. Love it when the schedule works out that they face each other on the final weekend of the year. But look, you can't have everything. We'll get them five times this weekend. This feels like a pretty big five-game set, Brian Walton. Well, there's no doubt about it. Last year, the uh, the series in Chicago was sort of the turning point for the year when the Cardinals came in and, and beat the Cubs and, you know, went on to take the division. But as you said, you know, the, the vagaries of this year's schedule, you know, uh, all 10 games between the two teams are played in Chicago, and, you know, that certainly gives the Cubs uh, some type of edge. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of baseball yet to be played this year. Cardinals are actually a game up in the loss column now after the Cubs lose yesterday. Yet are three and a half games back, of course, because of the long time off for the Cardinals here. Have you seen any cracks yet and, and anticipate and looking forward what this team is going to look like with so many games, so many doubleheaders, how it's going to ultimately play out for St. Louis? You, you know, it's really interesting, Trent. The, the Cardinals were, you know, starting to show fatigue and, you know, manager uh, Mike Schultz even mentioned it, mental fatigue. And, you know, they were, they were losing, you know, they had a long four game losing streak, uh, streak in their last a series at home, and then Adam Wainwright pitched the finale mm-hmm. and just came in and pitched a tremendous game, and it gave them such a lift that, you know, when they went in to then play the uh, the Cincinnati series, they played much better baseball. And so, you know, they're coming in just like the Cubs, you know, recently playing basically 500 ball recently. But for the Cardinals, you know, playing 500 ball is, you know, is kind of okay given the expanded playoffs with 16 teams making it you know if the season ended today the cubs would win the division and the cardinals would be a wild card and you know given all they've been through this year i think that's a reasonable target now, you know, they absolutely. haven't given up winning the division obviously sure absolutely not mm-hmm. brian there's a big set this weekend the i'm looking at the schedule the cardinals as it stands right now have one day off between this weekend and the re- end of the regular season is a strange one. It's Wednesday uh, of, of next week of uh, when we get to back from Labor Day. So, uh, anyways, uh, the Cardinals seemingly their offense has come to life a little bit as of late. Brian Walton. Yes, it, yes, it has, and no, it hasn't. It depends on which part of the offense you talk about. Uh, Paul Goldschmidt, of course, is a rock as the number three batter in the lineup, but he also leads the team and is close to leading the league in walks. As teams are pitching very, we're pitching very carefully to him, obviously, because he can cause such damage. But what they've discovered sort of through the back door is that Brad Miller, a guy that's an infielder that's kind of bounced around in his career, has turned into a machine in the cleanoff spot. His five home runs, 19 RBIs, both of them lead the team. But they also lost a guy who quietly was a, a, an offensive uh, spark for the team this year, Dexter Fowler. Uh, he's out and, you know, he may not be back this year. So they've gained some and they've lost some in that their outfield, a group of young guys, O'Neill, Bader, Carlson, uh, Thomas, they're just not performing, and that's something they've got to solve. So the rotation is set. They're throwing everybody part of their five-man rotation here this weekend, including the doubleheader on Saturday. 
and then they have to come back and play a doubleheader on Tuesday against Minnesota. Mm. What's going to be the plan there because of everything compressed? Do you anticipate? I know there's been some murmurs. Maybe Carlos Martinez get one of those starts and then a bullpen, bullpen game after that. But you can see the importance of this series, what they're doing with the rotation. Yeah, yeah. as you mentioned, they've, they've uh, organized, because they had a day off yesterday and Thursday, they've orchestrated the uh, rotation that all five of the starters are going to pitch in these five games in four days in Chicago. So they're you know going to put their best guys out there. But yes, to answer your question, I believe I would be very surprised if Carlos Martinez does not start uh, one of the games against the Twins at home on Tuesday. And then, as Ken mentioned, they have a day off on Wednesday, but then another doubleheader, a makeup doubleheader on Thursday. So you've got one day off in the middle, but they still play four games in, in three days. So, you know, it's going to be that way for the rest of the year. They're going to have two or three, depending on the week, doubleheaders every week the rest of the way out with no more days off. Hmm. Say something nice about the Cubs. <laughs> They're in first place. Okay. That's about all I would expect. How uh, Flaherty? Well, no, Dar- no, no, I mean, obviously, obviously, they've got a very good offense, and yeah. you know, as their pitching comes around, I mean, Darvish is having a great year, Oof. competing for the Cy Young. Hendricks is always great, although the Cardinals get to him now. They just lost Quintana to the to the injured list. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm not a fan. I think you know Lester's on the downside of his career, yep. and, and Mills is a back of the rotation guy. So you know, they're, they're, they'll go as far as their pitching can take them. I think. You know, Brian, have they? Set the road. I mean, I know today. I mean, Flaherty, Darvish. Hello, that's uh, yeah. that's appointment TV. But I don't think that the Cubs have announced who they're going to pitch in either of tomorrow's uh, games. Do you know? No, I, I, I think that's still open and to be determined. And obviously, mm-hmm. that's got to be a benefit to the Cardinals when you look at them. You know, putting out uh, uh, Wainwright and Dakota Hudson, who is, by the way, quietly had a tremendous yes. season. You know, great great ground ball guy and he's you know he's not walking batters like he used to so you know tonight's game obviously is a toss-up either one of those i mean it's going to be a two-to-one game on an error or something crazy probably but the cardinals i mean have a decent edge on saturday i think in those two games and then uh, you know of course uh sunday hendricks is a you know is a machine but kk kim uh you know who's on on Sunday has also been uh, really strong, and then you probably got to give the, the Cubs the edge on Monday. Well, as, as you said, they, the Cardinals get the Hendricks. Maybe call in Ray Trent one of those games tomorrow. Oh, that's a good possibility. What did he last pitch? A couple days ago, three days ago, I think it was. Yeah, out of the bullpen, yeah. Yeah, the last time. Where, that was, where's uh, Adelaide now? Is he with him? I mean, he's another part. Uh, yeah, he's there. You're right. He mm-hmm. could start. You're right. So they they got a couple of different options that they can throw out there. Hey, you've seen and the by double- the way, Adelaide, Adelaide, uh you know, his first start against the Cardinals this year was was really good. He yeah. went, I think, five strong innings. Yeah, he's a good pitcher, and I think and it's kind of interesting the way that the Cubs have played with him. I think there's still plenty of upside uh, with with Alzali. With that, you've seen a lot of doubleheaders, and you're going to see a lot more doubleheaders. The new seven inning rule for this season because of the way it's compressed. Your thoughts overall on it? I mean. I think most people, baseball traditionalists, don't like it. Your thoughts on the seven-inning doubleheaders? I'm a traditionalist. I was against it. But, you know, there's something to be said for games that get played in two hours and 15 minutes, two hours and 20 minutes. I mean, the Cardinals have had some of these nine-inning games that just slogged on four hours. And, you know, the designated hitter helps some. The three-batter minimum helps some. So there's not quite the incessant relief pitcher changes. I wouldn't mind if they kept seven-inning doubleheaders. But the important thing to remember is that in 2021, assuming the world goes back to normal, you're only going to have a handful of doubleheaders. They they don't ever schedule them. And they'll just be, you know, uh, rain-out makeup. So, so, you know, the, the doubleheader thing is really a unique thing to 2020, I think. I think next year will be back to normal. 
I kind of hope they keep it. <laughs> I really do. And I'm a, I thought I was a traditionist in a lot of ways as well, Brian. Hey, Brian, listen, thank you. We will uh, talk to you a whole bunch of times between now and the end of the regular season. Let's, uh, fingers crossed, Cubs cards down the stretch that they're battling it out. Like we said, we'll get them five times in four days, but unfortunately that's going to be it after they get done uh, here on Monday. Brian, have a wonderful weekend. TheCardinalNation.com. TheCardinalNation.com is where you can read all of Brian's stuff and take part in the message boards as well. Thanks, Brian. Talk to you next week. Talk to you next week. Take care. Good to talk to you. Brian Walton on the Cubs and the Cards. I mentioned to you this off the air. I'm already looking forward after the uh, Twins next week, that doubleheader I mentioned Mm -hmm. against the Cardinals. Can you understand this at all? The Twins are off Wednesday after doubleheader. So the Twins are off Wednesday too? And then they're off Thursday. The Twins have two back-to-back days off. So why wouldn't they play Wednesday because the Cardinals are right. off on Wednesday. Just to give the Cardinals, I think, a day of rest. Yes. I think that's the so reason for it. you'd rather play two seven-inning games right. and get Wednesday off as opposed to playing nine on Tuesday, nine on Wednesday. Is it as simple yeah. as that? And the Twins were already scheduled to have an off day Thursday, so instead they get the back-to-back yeah, off that days? is strange that they get two games but in yeah, the middle of this sprint. Incredibly mm-hmm. weird. Uh, Tom Kakert next. Will there be? Sir Yacht's tw- uh, tweeting again this morning. <laughs> Presidents are meeting. <laughs> Should we get Sir Yacht on? I think we sh- Well, I don't know if he'll come on as of Tuesday. Right, we'll, right. We'll see you. Or, or, um, we'll be old news. Tuesday, and we won't be able to get him because he's so busy with people trying to blow the sunshine up, as you know what. We'll see if he's right. We'll ask Tom Caker if he thinks he is. Miller and Condon till noon. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Since 2012, the nonprofit organization Opportunity on Deck has strived to provide free of charge athletic opportunities and educational programs to more than 3,000 children. Children throughout Central Iowa. Opportunity on Deck's annual slow pitch softball fundraiser, The Game for Good, will be played at Principal Park on Sunday, September 20th. Teams this year will be coached by former Hawkeye greats Tim Dwight, Tavian Banks, and Jenny Barancha. To play, volunteer, or donate, go to opportunityondeck.org. Miller and Condon, welcome back to Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, Hawkeye Conversation, Big Ten as well with Tom Cakert momentarily. At 11.05, there's a local interest in the Kentucky Derby, a couple of Ankeny guys, Dennis Albaugh, Jason Luch, and their families own Thousand Words. Uh, we will hear from Jason Luch. He's at Churchill Downs. And then uh, we'll talk Iowa State with our friend Dave Sproul from KASI in Ames. Uh, Tom Cakert's actually on the road. Yeah, road oh, trip Tom weekend. Cakert. Good for him. Um, Tom, Trent and Ken, thanks for coming on. How are you? Doing well. Just sitting outside in beautiful Toledo, Ohio, having lunch and and uh, you know headed over to see Iowa's 2021 quarterback commit. Uh, so... What do you expect to see, Tom? What kind of you give us a scudding report? Um, you know, Joey Labus is probably, uh, you know, a little bit like a Rick Stanzi, I think. You know, mm-hmm. he's all skinny, um, good arm, um, you know, going to be a developmental quarterback, I think, for him. But they've, you know, they're in good shape for their quarterback position in the next couple of years with Petrus and Deuce Hogan and uh, Padilla. So they just, you know, needed to fill it this year and you know um just he had committed to ball state mm-hmm. briefly but then iowa offered and uh, it's hard to turn down the big 10 when uh when you have that opportunity 
Tom, what can you tell us on the recruiting front? I, I know there's not a whole lot of scholarships left for the 2021 class, but with the uncertainty, obviously, of this upcoming football season, looking forward, what happened in the Iowa football program with the, the racial conversation that happened, recruiting this year and then maybe even open it up even more looking into the future. Yeah, it's right now they're and they're very fortunate that they they've got basically most of the class done. I think they'd probably like to add a running back, but um, you know, with everything that's going on next year, when you know guys could come back potentially for an extra year because the NCAA is going to allow that, um, it, you know, scholarship limits are going to go up. I think they're going to have to. Uh, it's going to be a complicated situation. Um, and also, you've got to pay for those scholarships, and you've got tight budget. So it's going to be uh, interesting how how this all works out. So maybe you only need to say, well, you know what, we're good this year, and um, and just call it good for for uh, for this year and, and roll over some of those scholarships. Well, Tom, let's uh, let's talk about when, uh, what we'll see and when we'll see it potentially. Uh, this guy, yeah. Sir Yacht, Tom, I'm not sure if you're following on Twitter. You're that's paying why Tom's, attention to he, That's why he's really in Ohio. He's <laughs> right. meeting with Sir Yacht. Track him down uh-huh. to confirm Sir Yacht's sources. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, this, this... My search for Sir Yacht. And it's on. It takes you to Ohio. Uh, this dude, Tom, he's not backing down one little bit. It's It's been fun to watch. He's going to die on this hill. Now, I'm convinced that somebody from Ohio State that wants to try and sway the court of public opinion in the Big Ten footprint to let's get this thing going. Going. I'm not sure how much arm sure. twisting that really takes, but he is still this morning. Uh, this is his latest. As I reported, the Big Ten, capital letters, will be back today. Barring any setbacks, an announcement should come in the next few hours. He has been consistent that he believes that today is the day the presidents are meeting and that the Kevin Warren has the votes. It's going to be all thumbs up and we're starting football in the Big Ten on October the 10th. Did you buy it? I don't buy it. Nor do I. I, I. Unless we see some evidence that they're really meeting. I mean, even Gary Barta told, um, you know, Scott Dockerman yesterday um, that that there was no, he's not aware of any president's meeting. So um, unless unless they're really, really, really keeping this under wraps and only Sir Yacht knows about <laughs> it, right. I don't think, uh, I don't think there's really much hope that, um, that October is going to happen. I think, uh, what you see happening with the Pac-12 mm-hmm. kind of aligns with, well, we're going to start around Thanksgiving and maybe they'll do uh, a Rose Bowl in March or something like that. Did you see Teddy Greenstein's uh, tweet this morning that he's been told from someone in the Big Ten that on the, the day of the conference championship that uh, the, the second-best team, second-ranked team in the West would play second-ranked in the East, three versus three, four versus four. So last year, for instance, we would have saw Iowa and Michigan had that been in place. So they're going to play more football games, Tom. At least that's being kicked around. On the surface, that seems like a pretty good plan to me. How about you? Yeah, that sounds like a great idea. I mean, you know, there, and you have to look at it from this perspective too. There, the Big Ten would have, uh, you know, we know the TV networks love football. It's the highest rated things. I mean, uh, you know, the, even the best college basketball game isn't going to rate as well as uh, a mid-level football game. Uh, you know, Northwestern Indiana will rate higher in football than a really good. Uh, college basketball game. So, um, you know, the, I I think the TV people will be all over it because 
who wouldn't like to have January and February college football uh, going on? I think the, the TV networks would love it. Yeah, they would. I, in fact, opened the show today with uh, some numbers. The Quick Lane Bowl last year, December 26, Pitt Eastern Michigan outrated the highest-rated college basketball game last season. That shows you the power of football. Which was Duke, North Carolina. And it was Duke, Carolina on ESPN on a Saturday night. Tom, with that, if it comes to November, January, whatever that would turn out to be, the Big Ten has a lot to do in terms of public opinion. They have a lot of, yep. I think, people, that fan bases that need to be repaired. Just how upfront do you expect the Big Ten, when an announcement is made, to be with this? Or is it going to be a lot more of what we've seen? Eh, not a whole lot of conjecture, not a whole lot of conversation from the Big Ten side. They have a problem. They have a major problem, it seems, in public relations. Yeah, and I think they're just going to say, look, um, what's done is done. Let's, we're moving forward. I think you're going to hear a lot of we're moving forward. <laughs> from the Big Ten office. I think that's going to be their mantra. Uh, as long as you can kind of deliver football, I think that's the thing that has frustrated people more than anything else is that, you know, it was Wednesday, they roll out a schedule, and then the next Tuesday, mm-hmm. yeah, we're done. We're not going to play football at all. I think that's that's what really ticked off a lot of people is the, the mixed message that they delivered um, by putting on a schedule and getting everybody excited and then just pulling the rug out right away. Uh, we know Barry Alvarez is on the return to play committee. Once, don't you think, Tom, that the, you know, especially next week, right? I know that the, the, the SEC is not going to play till the 26th, but the ACC and the Big 12, point being is there's a ton of college football on our TVs next week. Big 10 fans are just going to sit there and twiddle their thumbs, maybe bet a couple of games, but they're in a place right now that they don't even know when their, their season is potentially going to start. Wouldn't it behoove the Big 10 next week, once we know that this yep. October 10th thing is coming, and gone and it's not happening to announce that yep we're playing and uh, we're going to start on thanksgiving and don't look now the but saturdays are wide open there's no nfl with one exception i think on saturday the saturday before christmas doesn't the big 10 need to do something positive with their fans in fact in in front of what will be armageddon for a lot of them next week when there actually is real time big time college football yep and and thousand percent and and here's what I would do to make it further. If you're going to do the Thanksgiving thing, and guess what we're opening with? Ohio State, Michigan, yes. Iowa, Nebraska, yes. Minnesota, Wisconsin, Wisconsin, all the traditional rival yes. games. That's what we're opening with. I, and that's that's what I would roll out uh, Monday. I would roll it out Monday. They were doing it in Nebraska, Iowa, Black Friday. We're going to have Michigan and Ohio State Saturday, Thanksgiving, like they traditionally would you know, right around then, would be playing. So uh, that's what I would do. Do you like the idea, Tom? Apparently the Pac-12, uh, not apparently, they have an agreement now with uh, some testing lab that they've got this instant test. This certainly changes things in the Pac-12. Apparently, apparently, Kevin Warren and Larry Scott have been in multiple conversations. It sounds like there's some synergy there between the two conferences that they want to start whenever that is uh, on Thanksgiving weekend, potentially. Um, it sounds yep. like the Pac-12 is ready to move forward from where they were. I think there's something behind this. There's steam here, Tom. Do you see it? I think so, I think so too. And then you can, you know, deliver a traditional Rose Bowl, right? Um, if you will, um, and maybe another couple of bowl games between Big Ten and Pac-12 teams. Uh, 
uh, out in California. Or, How about Vegas? Uh, or Vegas, because that's going to be one of the games is that is the Vegas Bowl yeah. in the new uh, Raiders Stadium. So um, you could deliver three or four bowl games, uh, right. and I, I think that would be a lot of fun. I think it would be great. Teddy Greenstein's plan, do it in Vegas. Yes. Right? Doubleheader? Absolutely. After the Super Bowl. I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not objecting, guys. Yeah. Not objecting. <laughs> Make that happen. Well, speaking of Vegas and, and gambling, you got any plays this weekend, Tom? Did you fire before you left the state of Iowa? Uh, oh, Army. I'm on Army. Army, huh? All right, going army. Would you have to? Uh, what, would you get points? I didn't even see the line. It's a three and a half. Is it? They're okay. they're they're given three and a half. And they're an early game the, tomorrow. I might right? buy the hook. I might buy the hook. Oh boy, three. Gotcha. I think that's you know. four o'clock kickoff. Something like that. Middle enough, of the afternoon. Yeah. Uh, Tom Caker, HawkeyeReport dot com. Tom, enjoy Toledo. Tough to do. Say hello to Sir Yacht for us. If indeed you run across him, he's going to be up yeah, on that hill. Well. We will. <laughs> Thanks be, for having me on, guys. Good to talk to you. Tom Caker at HawkeyeReport.com. HawkeyeReport.com. I can't see it, Trent. No. October, no. That's no. off the board. Thanksgiving weekend. Yeah. Play through December. Play mm-hmm. into January. Reconvene the championship game. Let it be played in Indianapolis. Maybe the twos. That's the early. Two versus two is in Indianapolis. Three, three, four, four, five, five, all the way down. Ship them to Vegas. Could you do a tournament? If you have, say, an eight-game regular season, you have the one play, the four, the two versus the three, and then a championship after that? Look, at they're trying to find a way to recoup some of the television. I think that would generate some... I think you're on to something. Or the number one in the East versus the number two Uh in the West, the number one in the West versus the number two in the East. I like it. Winners play for the title. So last Rose year, birth. last year we would have seen Ohio State, in your scenario, Mm -hmm. Ohio State, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Penn State. I would watch those games. Uh, you think? <laughs> I don't care if they're in February. And then we would have shipped uh, Michigan, Iowa. That would be in Vegas. Uh-huh. Indiana, Illinois, and Vegas. Purdue, Michigan State, and all the way down. Uh, that's a report from Teddy Greenstein, Chicago Tribune. Not the destinations. Not that it's going to happen, but apparently that's being floated out there as they try and find a way to fill up the bank accounts with television money. All right, we'll see. Dave Sproul coming up on Iowa State in 25 minutes. Jason Luch on his derby horse. Thousand words. We'll go to Churchill Downs when we come back. Miller and Condon have another hour. By the way, all local shows are off on Monday. All of us off on Monday. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM.